This is the Workness Podcast, a platform for women of colour to discuss socio-political issues that affect the intersections of our identity. Hosted by myself, Mina, Stacey, Hadil, Khadija, Sheris, and Jess. We recognise how powerful women of colour spaces give rise to the feeling of empowerment. Therefore, expanding the space is imperative to express the voices of the unheard. Today's episode will focus on the Black Lives Matter movement and will be split into two parts. The first part will be talking about activism and finding the balance between active participation and the preservation of mental health, as well as performative activism versus actual activism and allyship. We'll also be talking about radicalization and polarization, as well as people questioning the lived experiences of black people. We'll also be talking about COVID-19 and the BAME realities that the media has not shed light upon. To finish the last episode, we'll talk about the Black Lives Matter movement in the UK context, especially iconic moments like the Bristol statue being toppled, as well as how we need educational change and a diverse and representative curriculum. So to start today's episode, we should really ask, how did everybody feel at the beginning of the Black Lives Matter protests and with the whole killing of George Floyd, like what was your initial reaction to that? We can start off with Khadija. Um, I think the movement as a whole, I've just been wanting the momentum to keep up. I think that's been like my main concern. Um, Cause like currently I can already see it at least on social media flagging. I guess like my initial reaction was like, I guess cause you, you already had like the 2016 um, shooting of Mike Brown in Ferguson. Um, I think that was 2016. And the fact that the same thing is happening in 2020 is sort of like, how many times does this need to happen? Or like how, you know what I mean? Like how how long does this need to go on for, for like the same uproar to happen and then the same like, I don't know. It just, it just like, I felt quite hopeless, I think, initially, just because I was like, this, it's been like four years since Ferguson, so... You know what I mean? I, d- I don't know if there's a specific word for that. I don't know if hopeless is maybe the right word, but I think I was just very, yeah, I don't know the right word, but just the fact that it's been happening for so long now, I think was what got me. I think for me, the day that the news broke, it was like one of those things where like, as Khadija said, like this has been going on since like, it's been going on forever, but like media, like wide media coverage, um, I haven't really seen since like, like I have seen since like 2016. And it was just one of those things where like, I saw it and like immediately I thought like, okay, we need to address this. Like I just kind of had like a robotic, almost like reaction to it and I didn't have a minute to process it and then when I did process it it was like I felt something inside me almost broke and it was just so upsetting and like as Khadija said like I just kind of felt hopeless and it was like one of those things where um like how many like how many times like how many more times because at this point Ahmed just happened like I want to say like a month or so prior and it was like how many times does this have to happen like why like why is this still happening you know what I mean 
and yeah it was just it was just really heartbreaking and really hard to process at that point for me it was like you know when something is always happening you almost become immune to that certain pain if that makes sense mm -hmm. so now it's just like when it came i was like it felt so heavy on the heart but i wasn't surprised i was surprised that it was it caught that much attention mm. but i was surprised that it happened because this is happening on a daily just not recorded not enough publicity i my heart has been feeling really heavy but i don't know where to direct those emotions because mm. Because there's such a big spotlight, I, it it's kind of like you you feel like you have to rush your actions to to kind of keep up with this momentum that's happening to ensure that you're you're taking you're taking you're you're getting the most out of this opportunity if that makes sense mm -hmm. to to kind of raise awareness, talk about stuff, but at the same time, I don't know that that kind of plays into into part of that being a moment but I, yeah I'm just feeling really conflicted and critical of my own actions and obviously it's not it's not about me it's bigger than all of us but it, it's just deciding what we can do again like Khadija said to make sure that this is a movement and not a moment mm. um, Nina um, I pretty much like all, all of you guys said I've been feeling like the same sort of emotions and like in terms of especially the desensitized desensitized de what is that word desensitized desensitization that's it we got okay there. vocabulary you know I'm using the big words today um, <laughs> big words. I think it was like seeing the initial video I think you I had the same you know you, like the feelings you usually get with like the anger like the like how can this keep happening that sense of hopelessness um definitely felt all of those but I think the my I, I remember feeling like like most of my emotions come out mostly in response to how like media coverage of like how they've been talking about George Floyd um how people on the internet have like the backlash I don't even know why there is backlash because it shouldn't be like someone got killed um um just sort of seeing how people you know have just very messed up opinions and like these all lives matter people just all these like police officers that like these videos of the protests of like police officers actually looking excited and it's kind mm. of like how are you how are you feeling this kind of like energy when someone in your country a citizen has been killed like it's and it's by your hands you've got blood on your hands and this is how you're reacting and I mm. think that's what really really hurt for me because I like what um Adil was saying like that sense of um I guess there's like a bit of guilt in, because I know as a non-black person and the community I come from we do perpetuate certain ideals which allows like a certain racist system to continue to prevail and it's sort of like again it's not about me but I but we are part of a system where we need to support black people and we all play a role in that and like Khadija and everyone has been saying that this isn't just a moment this is a movement that should be going on for a very long time until there is justice for all people that have been killed by the hands of police and even in other 
um, parts of our system, like institutional racism that prevails everywhere, there needs to be more that is done to tackle those matters as well. So, yeah. Um, I yeah. feel like, for me, everything that you said, like every one of yous, came a little bit later because we always see these videos of a black man being um, arrested or going through a stop and search. We see it happening so often that we don't realize the magnitude of it. And yeah. I feel like with this, like you said, like Mina said about like media coverage kind of indicates how you should respond. I started to see the, the like, the magnitude of this police murder when I started seeing more and more content, more and more people speaking about it. And even then, like, I didn't really watch the videos until a little bit later on because it was on my feed so often. That's when I started mm -hmm. to think like, yo, this is major. Like, this mm -hmm. is really like, it's a, do you know when everybody says, oh, this is a cultural reset. This was a massive cultural reset. This police murder has made me realize that a revolution is on the way as dramatic as that sounds like this was a revolutionary moment for our generation's time because like Khadija said like there's been moments like Ferguson do you know what I mean that was four years ago and now this moment is this like I shouldn't say a moment like we've all established like it isn't a moment because do you know what I mean but this event has stirred something in everybody and whether that emotion is going to be towards dismantling institutional racism or maintaining it, it has struck something in everybody. And I think that that is something that is worth thinking about because you would never think that something like this would have opposition. You would never think that an event like this would cause so much um, tension between groups of people. And I think that's made me feel very overwhelmed because I have to keep checking how I feel like am I doing the right thing am I doing enough but then I also have to go outside and battle opposition do you know what I mean like you never know who's going to come up towards you because people get brave at a time like this do you know what mm -hmm. I mean so I have to mm -hmm. I have to kind of analyze how I'm going to be reacting to these situations I have felt so much over the last couple of months like it's been crazy like I think that that is completely understandable. Like, I think, especially for black people that are con consistently seeing black people being killed, like for, especially for non-black people, you don't, we don't see that all the time. So for us, we have no right to even question, like, why are you feeling this way? Like, we should be asking, like, how are you feeling? Like, how are you doing? Because it's, it's, a, it's really traumatic. Like, how can you, how can someone be questioning your existence? Like the, the thought of that is really discombobulating, but the fact that a system like that even exists and little has changed even from when it has been created, that it's all been constructed in a way that prevents black people from like basically just feeling empowered and being amazing and doing everything because people are just so mad. Like, why are you so mad for? It's so weird to me. But um, I think the question I wanted to ask is, since we are all pretty much present on social media, how has social media been like for you guys? Um, especially when this, the Black Lives Matter movement was very, very like, it was on mainstream, it was pretty much everywhere. Like, how did you respond to it? Yeah, so when 
Black Lives Matter was kind of like on the forefront of mainstream like social media. Um, for me, it was kind of split half and half. And what I mean by that was kind of like half me trying to get this, like keep as educated as possible, keep getting the message out there, kind of not letting the message die out. Um, because like the issue with social media is that like a message comes forward, the hashtag trends a little bit, and then eventually it slowly fades away. And I just didn't want that this time. Yeah. Um, so that was one half. And the other half was very much me trying to like limit my social media as much as possible. As all of you know, uh, we had exams during this time. And mm -hmm. I'm a final year student. So I was trying to like <laughs> keep up with exams during this time and you know like sometimes you just want to take like a little break and while you're taking a little break and you want to like just kind of get away from one side of your life and just kind of get lost in like the feeds all of this was pop like popping up and it was just kind of I got into this hole and this mess and like it was to the point where like my roommate had to take my phone away from me because like it, it was too much mm -hmm. but at the same time like I felt like I needed to address everything I read every comment that I read everything that I read that's why like I was writing essays upon essays on Facebook and I felt like I needed to convey this message of like you guys need like please like please don't let this go like please educate yourselves please don't let this moment just be a moment like please like let's do something let's get changed like please care and it just became like and like I was just so over like as Stacy said like I was just so overwhelmed and like now that you know everything's just kind of like not like I don't want to say calm down but like the feeds have and I say with like air quotes like return back to normal mm -hmm. um I'm like obviously it's like less overwhelming but like that fire is still inside of me yeah. and like I still want like I still talk about it all the time and like people are probably on like that follow me are probably annoyed by it I don't know they're probably loving it some of them but like the thing is it's just like personally I'm not gonna let this just fade because like this is my life these are my friends lives these are my family's lives and I'm not just gonna like like, I just can't turn away. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, some people have the privilege of turning away, mm -hmm. and you shouldn't, you just shouldn't turn away from this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I 100% yeah. agree with the whole um, trying to find a balance during exams, other life events that are happening, but also trying to stay as active as possible to make sure the message is just getting out there. Like, for me, it got to a point where I took a break from social media. Like, I took a break from mm -hmm. Snapchat, Instagram. I don't touch Facebook because Facebook is the Florida of social media for me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is a weird land over there. Like, I didn't touch that anyway. So I just, um, I, I, I deleted a lot of it from my phone. The only thing that I kept was Twitter. And I did go on to my, um, do you know, you can go on like your social media apps and it can tell you how much, how long, how much time you spend on there. Yeah. Like my Twitter time was a lot. I spent hours and hours a day on Twitter. So I limited my time to maybe five, 10 minutes every few hours. 
so I limited my time like down and even then me scrolling for five minutes it was just it was a lot of content to take in like there was so there was so much happening that it got to a point where I didn't go on Twitter for like two days because I saw that even limiting my time to five minutes so much was happening in America that I I, I couldn't hack it like the amount of violent videos that were going up the amount of opposition that I was seeing like you know those counter protests and all that kind of stuff like there was so much violence and this is new to me do you know what I mean like I've never seen a protest get this big apart from like maybe the London riots but then I was too young to be as active as I am on social media now so that's the only event that I can remember that you know took social media by storm or like news outlets constant reporting of everything that was happening so this was what the first time for me that I've experienced being overwhelmed by social media because before it never used to get like this for me never used to get to a point where it was impacting my mental health and like Mm -hmm. I said like with other life events happening and anxiety like it does become a lot so for me I only started to get a bit more active in posting on my Instagram story after I felt like I was mentally capable yeah Um, because Mm -hmm. at that point I did make the choice like yo it has to be me or them and I chose me because me 100% all the time I will value my peace over everything else so once I felt like I was capable to be involved and be part of the activism in the best way I knew how for myself at that time I took that mental health break and then I got Mm -hmm. on it where I was posting on Instagram um mostly Instagram um, I don't tweet or anything, but I was liking, um, retweeting videos. That was my form of activism. Um, every time I saw a petition, I would sign it. Even if it was the exact same petition I signed mm-hmm. um, two seconds ago, I would sign it. Anything related to Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, is her name Shakri? Shakri. Shakri, yeah. Anything related to the UK context of Black Lives Matter, I was signing petitions. I donated little amounts of money here and there because that's what I knew I was able to do but it was really important for me to take that break because otherwise I would not have been able to function like it it was a lot to see. I think what I would say is like very similar to what Stacey and Sharis have already said I think um I think Twitter was like really good um like for me because I was following people in the US who were like attending protests Um, And Twitter was a really good place um, for seeing what was like genuinely actually happening, like Mm -hmm. with undercover police and like the reality of what was happening rather than what the news was saying was happening. Um, So that was really, really good um, in terms of seeing the realities in the US of the protests. Um, I think social media has been really, really good in the sense of outreach and resource sharing. Um, especially on Instagram I found that there was like an amazing amount of resources that I like found through Instagram my only thing is that I think I worried about how sustainable it was because I think social media is so good for outreach and um, kind of globalizing different movements into one cohesive one Um, but I worried that like there's so much we don't know about social media so like the algorithms um, can change or like Twitter has the ability to like take down certain hashtags and like, you know what I mean? I just thought like how like 
how 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 much can we trust social media to like keep the momentum of this movement going if we like don't fully have control over it but then in a time of covid where people can't have meetings in person um you have to fall back on social media to like communicate with other people and like um do your activism that way but i think overall it's been really really good i think just one of the examples of how it's gone bad would be like the blackout tuesday um flooding of hashtags where people were just posting black squares and like hashtagging with black lives matter and just flooding the hash the hashtags with like just things that didn't matter because it was all black squares so mm -hmm. i think that's an example of like when a trend can take over um like in a really performative way because like posting a black square doesn't do anything it, it does mm -hmm. materially it doesn't help the movement at all like what what does posting a black square really mean um in like real life terms i guess you could argue it shows you're bringing awareness but in terms of like like material help to the movement it doesn't really add anything so i think just in that way like it's very easy for social media to um i don't know i i think social media has been really good I think just to sum it up, like I think it has been really good because there are some resources I would have never found without social media. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also something we shouldn't maybe solely re rely on, even though it is really hard with COVID, just mm -hmm. because it's like, I don't know if it's the most sustainable form of activism. But yeah, I, I just think it's it's really hard. I Like what you were saying, Stacey, a balance is like kind of what we need, definitely. So as you guys know that I'm not really on, I'm not on social media actually, I don't have Twitter or Instagram or um, Snapchat, but like what you said Stacey about Facebook being the Florida social media, I, I kept on, so I don't, I don't even use Facebook, but um, it's only for like university related stuff. So everyone, um, everyone that I see on, on my feed is from university and as we know that the university that we go to is so political so whenever i would um go on it it would just be constant you know posts about how to be an ally towards the black community and um ways that you can help and stuff like that and I, from from an objective point that is supposed to be very very encouraging but for me it just made it made me feel so it made me feel so much worse just because it just made me feel so much more self-aware if that makes sense um and obviously that is not that's not the intention behind people's um you know intention to educate themselves and other people but I don't, there, there is there is a massive there was and there still is a massive feeling of guilt because i just completely completely wanted to detach myself from it and maybe that's a coping mechanism i don't know but um, I just, yeah, I just did not want to be, I did not even want to expose myself to positive sides of, of this movement. I think like what you said there, like it's interesting also with Stacey as well, like taking a social media break, no one should be, or like not even wanting to like delve into it too much. It, I don't like, I don't feel like there's any, anyone, nobody can take that like, opinion away from you your actions cannot be taken away from you at the end of the day like this is really traumatic as i've mentioned like it's and for people to kind of be pointing fingers and stuff like you don't really know what a 
a person's going through, especially when you've literally just seen a man die, you know, at the hands of people that are meant to protect you. It's it's not an easy thing to react to. And there, and there are people out here that are, you know, putting out informative posts and resources and outreach and um, there's donations happening and things like that. But I think everybody has to, like, everyone is dealing with it in their own way, especially if you are a black person. It's, it's, a, it's a different type of thing. But when, when you are a non-black person, you do have a duty to educate yourself on these things, whether like, you know, especially people that are blatantly just kind of ignoring all these things. They're not even looking into it. You have black friends, you have maybe even black family members. You might even have, you know, colleagues, et cetera, et cetera. You are around black people consistently and you're then turning around and just sort of like turning a blind eye to their problems. It's really, it's, it didn't sit right with me. And like, yeah, it, like it definitely was an overwhelming time, but it, it it just kind of further reiterated how important it is to continue pushing for change in any way you can. Um, mm. And but but the one place I was very I wasn't so present on. I think Instagram I was I was very present on, but um, Facebook, like Stacey said, it is the Florida of social media. And I was I was on there beefing people. Like I didn't even people on my course because some of the stuff they were saying was just so ignorant but again it's kind of like they're not even responding in the way you would hope they would because they're trying to stay informed but they still carry the same political views that are, that is very damaging and it is it's so difficult to like how do you how do you even explain it in a way that's that is even civil anymore because at this point I'm ready to just I'm ready to just come for your whole I'm ready to come for you completely but also Twitter like Twitter was actually the one place I actually didn't really go on because I was seeing a lot of people like repost very graphic um um like videos and stuff and it was like my whole timeline was just like that and it was like not even just of George Floyd but various other people that have been killed by the hands of the police and it was just it was just like it was really difficult to watch and most of the time I didn't watch it because again I don't want it again it's kind of like desensitizing like this sort of image of like black people being killed it becomes normal it shouldn't even be it shouldn't even be like somebody is dying again it's like black and brown bodies are so disposable it, mm-hmm. it just comes to that again um but I definitely think one of the things I definitely got away from this whole you no know, and still continuing movement is um calling out people in your own communities and I've seen I've never seen this in my whole life but this conversation of like anti-blackness that that is in non-black communities especially like South South Asian Middle Eastern you know like Arab sort of communities it was quite it was quite like okay so it's not just me that is constantly feeling like I have to beef my community all the time Mm. there there is a genuine conversation and the fact that finally there was some some kind of conversation happening online whether that's happening offline is a different matter because it's that's more like a private thing people may or may not be doing which I hope they are but um it was just like encouraging to finally see that people are actually making these resources and actually saying speak to your family and speak to your friends like actually look actually have some time to think about what you're saying as well because I definitely did even though I I I know that I am I stand with the black community and I'll do everything I can to you know call people out and be stay informed and stuff I was still checking myself and I think Mm -hmm. 
that became a lot of people were very hesitant around checking themselves and mm-hmm. there wasn't that was what something I wasn't seeing as much of like checking yourself as well because it's all well and good spreading awareness but how much are you actually retaining the information that you're seeing I just had to write a few things down just because you know when you just get overwhelmed with like so many thoughts at the same time it's hard to articulate yourself mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so um I just wanted to talk about so when all of this started happening we were everyone said it was during deadline time so we had that stress we had covid we had the strikes built all on top of that and then the first thing i saw was as mina said the exploitive videos of george floyd dying Mm -hmm. and um i'm quite active on social media and i feel like people expect you to say something on certain topics Mm. but it's really hard when your mental health is kind of deteriorating at the time Mm. so in my mind I was like I have to talk about this but at the same time I was just kind of avoiding social media just because it was so toxic for me at the time Mm. I literally the first thing I said with the death of George Floyd was about how insensitive it is to share the videos and I was just basically talking about like with white suffering we never needed visual evidence Mm -hmm. that it happened because that's their words but Mm -hmm. when it's black and brown bodies people were sharing these exploitive images to raise awareness Mm. and because of that it almost dehumanizes black bodies yeah And then um, also on social media, I noticed a lot of the infographics that are going all around Mm. also, which I think are amazing, to be honest, because I learned so much. Yeah, definitely. I heard, like, yeah, even just like the swiping in, it was so accessible for everybody. But I had one issue with it was when it almost had to become palatable Mm. about how it happened aesthetically pleasing so it almost becomes a trend and it's almost like oh it's palatable for those that are in comfort I don't know I just found that kind of side problematic about how it all has to look aesthetically pleasing but it shouldn't yeah I I was gonna um, mention that like um, what it, I think it was Khadija that mentioned the posting the black square a lot of people yeah. didn't post it because it ruined their insta aesthetic oh my god! and you can tell for example Emma Watson this woman she is not Hermione as much as you might think she's Hermione feminism and all that kind of shit yeah. she posted the black square but she put a white rim around it because that's what oh, I saw that has. oh my god I was so I was like you know what you have let me down today like every other day you've let me down but today <laughs> especially you have let me down she could have yeah. easily just posted it without that white rim and you can just interpret that as black lives matter but the white people matter more because my yeah. aesthetic means more to me than this movement. Mm-hmm. So I'm more than happy, I'm more than happy to be an activist, but as long as it's palatable and it fits in with, exactly. with my aesthetic, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'll I'll get involved but to an ex- to a certain extent and nothing mm-hmm. beyond that. Yeah. Oh um I was gonna just to add on what Jess and Mina said about like dehumanizing black bodies. I know he's problematic and 
I don't support anything that he did. But XX Tentacion, there oh was that music video that he had where it was a white kid that was being lynched instead of the black kid. And mm. there was so much backlash for that image of a white person being lynched. People were calling him racist. Everybody, they, everybody and their mother had something to say about that video. And that was because they were not used to seeing white people in that position. Yeah. They're so used to seeing black and brown bodies being tortured. Like, like we've talked about in the past, um, not on like episode recordings, but just in conversation. Like it is trauma porn to them. They're yeah, used definitely. to seeing black and brown bodies being abused. But the moment the script is flipped, then it's a white body that's in that position. It's it's the worst thing that could ever happen. It's, oh, um, mainstream media has gone too far. Artists are going too far. Um, this is very graphic. My children are very upset with it. It's all that kind of stuff. And I feel like it goes back to what Jess said. It's about them being in a place of comfort and being able to remove themselves from the situation, post the video, say that um, they're feeling uncomfortable because, um, for example, like Nickelodeon, they had a I Can't Breathe video that used to play in between breaks or something. And there were these parents that were putting in complaints, like, my kid feels very uncomfortable this, with this video. Um, this is very um, traumatic. Um, how am I supposed to explain this to my children? And they were saying that from a place of comfort and privilege because their kids don't have to have conversations with their parents about where they stand because of their race. I had mm. conversations about where I stand as a black woman when I was like nine, mm. having my parents saying to me, like, you know, you're different from them because of your skin color. So you need to work five times as hard to get in that position. You are not in a place of privilege because there is systemic racism there is institutional racism like they didn't use those words but now that I reflect on it that's what they were trying to get so I've had those conversations from young so I think your child is okay watching an advert about a man not being able to breathe they are okay being exposed to police brutality because my people we've been seeing this for a long time and we have been exposed to trauma from young ages because it really does affect us Mm, no definitely it's not um it's not an easy like a, it's not something that black people get a chance to even process at all so for this to be as an advert it's it's kind of like every, like i've mentioned time and time again everybody is involved when it comes whether you are the oppressor or the oppressed everybody you need to know what's going on in the world and the fact that from so young you've been have you've been told like you need to be you know you need to be aware that these sort of things will prevent you from achieving the things you want to achieve being treated the way you want to be treated so then you know white people do get to have like a way to like sit back and not even be concerned about it and then for an advert to come up and just it's just a it, it, it's, it's a way of spreading awareness in you know I guess I guess it is to them but there are other ways of doing it and if that's the way they think then why like parents are just being very like you're preventing your kid from standing up against racism isn't that it's just so weird to me like you're not yeah. even you're not even teaching them how wrong it is you're kind of like oh for the sake of your your safety or whatever whatever you're trying to hide from your kid you're preventing them from helping someone else or like at least not being so ignorant um yeah. and actually understanding the world the racist world that we live in um 
but actually I wanted to uh, bring up um this conversation that we did have before um about do you think that with everything going on um everything being the black lives matter movement going on um has it has has everyone like what's the what am i trying to say like is there more of like a polarization or a radicalization that's the point i was trying to get at i think i can tie this into kind of what i was going to say anyway but mm. i think one thing that's that i've really liked that um has come to the forefront is the idea of this being a systematic problem um and i think maybe where some of the polarization has happened if that well i think that has been um is the idea that people are now realizing especially well, i mean like black people and to a lesser extent non-black people like ethnic minorities have always known they're in a system that is racist mm-hmm. um like Stacey said, like she's had the conversation where she knows she's in a system where she has to work five times harder. But I think non-black people and especially white people have never had to have that sort of self-reflection. And I think a lot, a lot of the backlash or maybe polarization has come about because white people are like, well, non-black people are very uncomfortable with realizing that it's not just like a personal or kind of like it's not just an issue of kindness like racism it's it's a systematic problem so even if a white person thinks oh but i'm not personally racist i've never i've never like been racist to someone before it doesn't matter whether they've personally been racist it's that they're in a system which benefits them and which yeah. automatically means they're racist if that if that like if that makes sense yeah. i think i think some people have really taken that on board and like realized that they need to interrogate the position in society they have and how and the kind of privilege that affords them but i think equally a lot of people like have turned away or not turned away from the movement but maybe where the backlash has come in um is because i don't know like i think there's been a lot of talk about police abolition and i think in terms of a systematic problem the police is part of that system right Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people have been uh, discussing how abolition can come about but I think a lot of non-black people and especially white people I think maybe that's where the polarization is coming because you'll have people being like oh but I know like my uncle's a police officer and he's like really amazing and he's he will never be racist do you know what I mean so I think mm-hmm. like in terms of those kind of conversations where you have to really interrogate like who you know what your family does like do you have a like a member of family or a colleague or someone you know who's a police officer um and what does that mean for you like how how do these conversations about systematic racism specifically concern you as well so i think in terms of polarization or like radicalization i think that's where that's where it comes in i think that's how this this time it might be different in terms of how much systematic racism and institutional racism has come to the forefront yeah Hmm. Um, I think that we've become more radical, um, but I feel like this is just my experience. Um, I, I feel, I feel like myself included. I feel like the black community have become more confident to to ask for more and demand more. And what I mean by that is, um, I don't know. We're taking matters into our own hands. So whether that's bringing down racist statues or um i don't know demanding more from our elected leaders or just being 
you know, unapologetically, or I feel more confident to be unapologetically myself. I, I don't, I, I can't give you examples of what that is, but it's, it's just, it's just a feeling. And I don't know, and I'm, I'm in two minds about that because I don't know if, if I feel like I've been given permission to start existing the way I want to exist or if it because 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 of this moment which should remain a movement or I don't know but yeah I do feel like we become more radical and personally I've seen shifts in um conversations that I've had with my friends like my my best friend now we now we've started talking about um race which we should have done way before all of this but um I don't know, like she's, she's, she's white passing, but she's Arab, but I don't know, when, when she saw, when she saw the video, see, I don't know, it kind of unlocked a whole other part of our friendship where, where I didn't even know that I can navigate or talk about, and for me, that is radical, that is a radical change, Mm. and even, even in workplaces as well, like, my friends have been sending me, you know, um, links or resources that they've all started sharing and and there's more of a conversation about the work that they're doing and what they can do to support black lives and how and how can they use whatever field that they're in to invoke change and even even at the shop where I work at where they've donated to black causes and 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 there's a conversation about what they can do so I do feel like we've all become a bit more radical whether that's being confident in ourselves as black people or you know our allies um thinking of creative ways that they can help out mm-hmm. i would say i am in agreement with hadil um talking about like i think people have become more radical in especially in having more of these sorts of conversations with the, your nearest and dearest and more of a like like you feel like you can stand up um in your own like non-black communities as well like i'm seeing people that are asian arab like actually actively going against what our community would traditionally be like oh you know you're meant to just agree with everything that just is being said even if it's anti-black and people are turning around saying no like no it's messed up that's that's not true mm-hmm. we're meant to for everybody and when we see injustice we call out we call it out we'll even call you out even if we're we're flesh and blood or even if we're friends like there is more of an incentive to speak out i would also say like the way in how like in the way the american context is like it's not simply an american issue and here we're saying the uk is not innocent and that even in the uk context like people have been able to see like this is not an American issue. This is not uh, not not that it's not an American issue. It's not simply an American issue that it happens in the UK as well. And like mm-hmm. police mistreating black people is something that has been happening for a long time. And finally, there's some sort of conversation around issues that are not just presently happening, but even like a year ago with like um, Shukri Abdi, um, yeah. Shukri, Shukri Abdi's case. Like it's not something that that should have been left that long, but we're talking about it now. And there is some action that is coming about it. And even the toppling of the statues and things like that, like it's, that's a radical move. So, yeah. It's amazing, especially, um, so all, most of my family and friends come from Middle Eastern communities. And sometimes I've seen just as much racism towards black people there than I have seen 
into British white people. Like it's just as bad and it's more vocal. It's not hidden. Like they'll say stuff in their own language and I'm just like, oh dear Lord. But um, it's amazing now to see people from my community being outspoken and taking time to educate themselves, especially like certain people as well. Like two years ago, this wouldn't have been on their radar, but now I've seen so many of like my brothers and sisters just taking their time to educate themselves on this. And we're actually having um, discussions, but I feel like it's because now the UK, well, we're done being polite on the topic of race. Mm-hmm. Like we're not just doing little workshops now, it's now protests in the streets. So. I just wanted to say like the UK is finished being polite on race. I also like as all of you were writing, I um, or sorry, as all of you were speaking, I was like writing a couple of points down because I had a lot of thoughts. But um, in terms of like ra- radicalization on kind of like a global scale, I feel like we have gone more radical and it's just it's been really it's been really nice to see personally. Um, I've had people in my life just kind of like reach out to me and been like, hi, like just to let you know, I've noticed everything that you've been posting for quite some time. And I just wanted to say that like, it's been like, I've learned a lot from your posts and like I have taken it upon myself to like educate myself and to like have conversations with my friends and my family. And just watching a lot of people and like my like Facebook timeline that kind of wouldn't say anything in regards to politics, just like any sort of politics before, just kind of speaking out all of a sudden and being like, okay, this isn't okay. Um, here's our resources. Here are books and movies that I have um, that I'm reading or I'm watching, and um, obviously like the protests that are happening, seeing videos of people just all over the world um standing up for something and just like seeing everyone this is probably be very corny but like seeing everybody just kind of like come together Mm. and like really voice that this is an issue that we no longer stand for and just seeing people stand up to police or like standing like in front like there was one video that comes to mind that i saw on instagram and it was a black boy like riot cops were approaching a group of protesters and a black boy like jumped the fence and started kneeling and what happened was like white girl like jumped like the fence as well and stood in front of him so nothing would happen Mm. and it was like that moment where I was just like wow like this is like it like it it didn't I don't even I don't even feel like it didn't hit me but like it really hit me in that moment that we're going like we're going somewhere with this like the, it's because they were like 16 so it's like the next generation like will be okay because the next generation's trying to figure it out you know what I mean mm-hmm. and personally to be quite honest like I've been quite like when I speak about politics on social media a lot of the times I try to be very palatable as everyone, like I've been trying, I've been trying very palatable to be very palatable to white people, trying to word ways and things that don't offend people, because I really don't like getting into Facebook arguments. <laughs> and um, there was a a post by Rachel Cargill that I saw, 
and it said like dear white people like I'm so like I don't want your like your like sad faces and like I don't want like you're oh I didn't know or like oh yes this is so tragic like I want you to educate yourselves like I want you to like do something this time mm-hmm. and like I realized like when I have said something in the past it was always like here's information like you can see it like if you want to if you don't want to and now I've been very much like no like I want you to read this mm-hmm. like I need you to read this like I am done with like I am like why am I your teacher like I'm tired of being a teacher like you have a Google, like you have Google you can read this like why aren't you listening almost and mm-hmm. like I've been very I have been very vocal just on my own merit but like right now I realize that my voice has stopped being more palatable to like the wider audience and just been me being like no I'm like literally done with the shit please fucking educate yourselves because this is a life here and if you don't get that you're a part of the problem I'm sorry Mm-hmm. yeah like I feel like that has really changed like that shift has been seen in me and like I think I've been a little bit more unapologetic when it's come to being vocal about these things and like even my mom like called me and she was like you know some of your posts are going to make people mad and I just went you know what they can stay mad honestly mm-hmm. at this point they can stay mad energy <laughs> energy um I was gonna like just to add to that like um like being palatable like if somebody is an ally they won't get mad at it they will accept and be like yo yeah I do need to make that change and I should also as an ally educate other people do you know what I mean and a lot of times as much as we don't want to admit it white people listen to white people do you know what I mean so if the ally is white or if they are part of the POC community and it's somebody that they see themselves in they're more likely to listen to the message um and I was also going to kind of like touch on like being a performative ally like there has been a lot of performative allyship we've seen it with our own university um I don't know if everybody else holds this opinion but I feel like our uni has been quite performative in its response same way with other universities that like like Cambridge Oxford all those other places like to keep to bring it to the UK context there has been a lot of performance brand performative activism and I feel like there's a balance that needs to be found like we can't do this movement on our own we do need help from other communities non-black poc communities we do need to like come together but it's also trying to figure out who's being genuine and who's being um performative and that can be so difficult um to call out and it goes back to what we was talking about with the um posting of the black squares and trying to maintain your instagram aesthetic and i feel like this movement has really highlighted who is a true and honest ally and who isn't who's just there for the trend and i feel like it's really disheartening to see because we see like power in numbers but how many of those people involved in the protests were being genuine? I think it was Khadija that said with the with the police officers that were undercover starting, like, what was that, what's that word? 
inciting violence burning mm-hmm. down buildings they're the ones that are starting it so that also kind of um undermines the movement and makes it seem like a riot for no reason and also like with some of the people air quotations being allies a lot of them were just trying to fulfill their anarchy fantasy of being like the joker um though though people dressed as the legitimate joker like Joaquin phoenix people dressed like him there was a guy that came through in a batman um costume so those moments were quite fun to see but at the same time it did kind of undermine the purpose of the movement and the tone did change into something that was memeable and that's when an issue of allyship also comes into play where it's like are these people coming in with good intentions or is it to turn it into a joke like what's the actual purpose and I understand like as black people we do laugh a lot but that's how we hide the pain yeah you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but I would rather have a black person finding humor in it as opposed to somebody who's being an ally and that's where one of my issues came in so I wanted to know like what you guys thought about the performative and the legitimacy of allyship and also um touching on some of the UK context as Mina was doing um in the last part of the conversation like um some of the iconic moments that we saw like Mina said with the toppling of the statue which has now been replaced actually the one in Bristol has been replaced with a black woman do you know when the guys fall down yeah, yeah. yeah so that was really powerful to see so i know i said a lot then but like what are your guys like opinions on all that kind of stuff um i don't know the question that you raise is similar to the point that i wanted to bring up I, what what you said sharis about um like how people coming together is like kind of corny what I, I just wanted to challenge that in the nicest way possible and what i mean by that is why I, I just don't understand why it's why we consider it corny like me included but for all of us to come together I don't know I feel like we we've become so desensitized to empathy and just the sense of like oneness if that makes sense that we see you we see I don't know we see like us we see oneness or a community as 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 I don't know like it's it's I don't know what my point is but what I'm trying to say is that I feel like we're desensitized that's my point and that we're desensitized to empathy and a sense of belonging and and outside of our communities as well and and that's the reason that we say oh it's corny but seeing this or seeing that it's I don't know. And I feel like that's a big issue as to why there's so many, uh, there's a big reason as to why there's so many, I don't know, there's so much dispute, especially, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was my point. I I think going off what you're saying, Adil, um, like, I I think, I I don't know if this is kind of like a reach, but like, I think we're so used to, I'm going to bring in capitalism, but like, the idea of being an individual and like, um, I don't know. I, I think maybe the where the corniness uh, corniness comes in is that um, we're not used to being such a community and being there for each other and loving each other. And I think especially when it when it's come like to COVID and stuff. Like for example, like where I live in London, there was like a Facebook group set up, and like we were all giving like mutual aid to each other and like you know like buying groceries for each other. And, and I don't think we're kind of used to that sort of community driven help or aid. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing goes for Black Lives Matter. I, I don't think, yeah, I think it's it's really, really positive thing. I think that's happened. I think we're getting more used to this idea of community uh, or communities that are driving a single cause. But I want to also add um, with performative activism, I think, I think especially with our university, Sussex, I, I think Stace is definitely right. It is a performative, I mean, it is a business when it comes down to it, at least how they, how they prioritise things. Um, I think it is definitely performative, but I think what I've really liked coming out of this is people, I think, are a lot more aware of what is performative activism and what is genuine. Mm-hmm. So I think when you see um, celebrities with, with the whole Imagine video that came out, everyone was immediately making fun of them and being like, what, you you guys are so out of touch. I think that's been something I've really liked in this movement that I think people are a lot more aware of, like posting a black square that has a white room that fits in with your Instagram aesthetic. Like I think people are a lot more quick and aware to point out where where people are being performative. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that's very like positive to me. I think people are a lot more aware of what actually helps um black lives and what will genuinely help black people rather than just i don't know posting like as i did you guys see what madonna did but was it her son dancing yeah that's what i that's that the kind of stuff i mean bad. like that was terrible but i think a lot of people are now recognizing how bad that sort of um air quotes activism because it wasn't activism but I think people are a lot more quick to realise, oh, this is this doesn't mean anything. This doesn't help anyone sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's like my response. Yeah, like everyone pretty much hit the nail on the head, you know? Like it, it is really good to see that people are now realising and recognising what performative active, activism, Jesus, um, activism is and like calling it out. Um, I know like a couple people have like called out just kind of like, celebrities that are doing the absolute bare minimum when it comes to the BLM movement and that's that's interesting to watch as well but also I think like in regards also to like performative activism and seeing it just kind of personally especially with like the blackout Tuesday black square thing it's like for me when I was watching it it was just kind of people that were very silent and then all of a sudden just kind of like had a black square for a day and I was just kind of like hmm wait what do you know what I mean <laughs> like I was like like you've said nothing this entire time and now you have a black square like and like for me I was just like almost offended because like as I mentioned like these are like it's personal so it's like people that are like in your in like in my life in my social circles people that I've been close to or grew up with or whatever and I'm just like, do you, like, were you not paying, like, have you not paid attention? Like, do you, like, it's that moment where, like, and I don't want to say they don't care. Like, that's what I'm not trying to say. But it, it does raise that question in my head of, like, do you, though? Do you genuinely care? But are you, but are you more concerned about, like, this movement or not looking like an asshole? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
No, that's very like interesting that you even said the black square thing because like in terms of like people you know and stuff like this guy that used to go to my sixth form had the audacity to post the black square the following day and like people were just like mate it's not Tuesday anymore he's like oh yeah and he was just making a joke out of it and I was just like just don't like just don't like it, I think whether you say something or not it's pretty clear what your stance is whether you post a black square or not it, we is we are still seeing what you're not doing do you know what I mean like it's, it is mm-hmm. that doing a black square alone is performative and that's that, that's just that because you know it, you're not doing especially if you're a white person and you're just posting a black square but I've, ne- I've never seen you in my life ever mention anything to do with race especially if I've seen you when I know you is it's mm, is a sticky one um but in relation to like challenging um like performative activism and stuff I actually took some time out to actually like call out my sixth form because my sixth form right was it was a difficult time for me because there was a lot of like like implicit and explicit racism at that at that um sixth form so I thought okay because in education especially that is like especially when we're growing up we spend so much of our time in these spaces and it's so impressionable it it does mold us significantly more than we even realize so um I emailed one of my old sixth forms well my or no not one of them that that sixth form I attended and um I spoke to the head teacher a little bit and like in the when I was talking to him, like in the in that present moment, I felt like it was a good conversation. It felt progressive and whatnot because he was saying all the right things. But I think afterwards, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I'm I'm so keen to see if he is actually gonna do anything because when I was talking and I was raising some points, um, by the way, I didn't even get to finish because he kept jumping in. And like talking over me and I feel like even the structure of that meeting was more like he wanted to speak over me when I was raising some really important issues that were happening in the school and in education in general and that kind of highlighted to me afterwards how they always want to have the upper hand in a way like educational spaces they they they, he kept saying stuff like oh you know at the end of the day we need to remember we're an educational space and blah 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 but I'm like you know in my head I'm thinking race is always important in these spaces because you can't these are always going to be relevant matters and I was also like bringing up to him like how other schools and stuff well I didn't even get to properly go into this but other schools and stuff have have shown a mixture of performative but actually also um doing some like doing stuff for their black students like um putting out resources and educating their non-black students and um holding zoom calls and um better like training for teachers like race like around race racial issues and stuff and my school when I had a look on their website they didn't do they didn't do anything not even if it was performative or not it kind of alone showed showed me that they don't put their minority students first especially their black students and in that sense like I think what's come out of this is more people are challenging the facilities that we have around us the institutions around us and even all of us we're part of like decolonized Sussex and we've been doing that for a a while but I don't know if you guys have noticed and even for my new job role in BAME Sussex like the the exposure has grown the number of people wanting to learn in, in our university spaces have grown the you know the relevance of our posts and the relevance of our social media presence is actually more important than we realize because people are learning through what mm-hmm. we post and stuff but yeah but I think in terms of like schools and stuff I 
I, I really sat here and thought, do I see myself like continuing to message my sick form? And the answer is yes, I do. But at the same time, um, an option that he provided to me and my friend was, do you want to be governors at the school? And that to me took me back a bit because it's kind of like the work is now put on us. We have to now go through like, you know, we have to kind of re- not relive the trauma, but like re-explain certain things and go through this all over again. And I can't even begin to imagine like how this must be for black people all the time generally. But in this, in this specific situation, I just felt fed up a little bit that is, he's sort of reeling me in even more when you should put it, take it upon yourself to do this. Like you should be mm-hmm. calling in these organizations and people that actually facilitate conversations of race in a perfect, like that's their job. <clears throat> like, um, you have like organizations, you have like, um, like the black curriculum and all these sorts of groups that are, they're there because that's their profession and that's their job and you're like reaching out to students and we're having to deal with our own stuff but again it's put on us um so yeah it's just kind of interesting how like how like challenging performative activism sort of can kind of reel you into a different sort of like I guess labor in mm. a sense. I think I just have a quick thing to say um but definitely to do with secondary schools I think obviously because we're students we're more focused on what uni is doing but I think Mina's definitely right like secondary school is like such a formative time like it's where you spend like the like teenage years of your life and you learn so you kind of you get molded a lot by secondary school I think and like I was really lucky that I went to a really diverse um secondary school in sixth form but even there like racism was like a systematic part of the system like um but I think a really positive thing is like with at least my secondary school um we've created a campaign or not we but like um I I guess you'd say alumni from the school have created a campaign to specifically target like the racism in my secondary school so I think it's I think um in terms of like the actions that have come out of this movement is like amazing because I know I don't know I don't know how to explain it but I think secondary school is like such an important institution to um, target I think just just because you learn so much and I think I don't know when we were discussing this episode I think um, someone was saying like if you don't learn in school you learn it elsewhere and like the idea that school is just an educational institution is, is like is stupid because you learn most things in that time of your life and if you're not learning about racism or I don't know if you're not learning about racism in school you're going to learn about it outside of school and it's so like I think it's so crucial that you have workshops or PSHE days or whatever you want to call it about racism and whether that is through the, the black curriculum or like external facilitators or whether it's inside the school I think it's just so like it's so crucial and I think definitely with performative activism I think a lot of people can use the excuse of like oh but like we're not political we're not like we can't do stuff about racism because we're just educational but I think I think it's just such a it's such a an easy excuse to make when I think secondary school is such a crucial part of your life yeah and the fact that they say like the um the fact that the conversation about racism is automatically turned political that's mm. an issue i know that it can be political but i think you can discuss it without <coughs> having to because they always say that teachers shouldn't impose their political views on students so we shouldn't know where their stance is whether they're labor lib dem or whatever 
But I feel like they can have those conversations and teach those subjects without letting us know what they think politically. It is, once again, just about informing students because a lot of this ignorance comes from not being able to have access to education. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, to have access to a diverse curriculum and that really can shape how young people view the world because I have younger siblings and the amount of times that my my sibling has said, um, no, Stacey, the teacher said you do phonics this way. Teachers have a massive impact and kids are very impressionable. So a lot of things that teachers say do impact students. And I can also understand how there is that worry because of how impressionable young people are that teachers can instill their own biases. But like I said before, like it is possible to have those conversations without becoming political or becoming um, polarizing. And I also wanted to say like, just to kind of touch on the topic of COVID and the BAME realities of the pandemic. Um, just kind of like the disparities that we've seen. Um, I think we will do another episode actually about um, what we learned from lockdown and all that kind of stuff so we can dive in a bit deeper there. But there is a correlation between Black Lives Matter movement and um, the pandemic. Um, I remember when John Boyega was doing his um, protest yeah. participation. Yeah. Beautiful man. He is my new husband. Um, he had a lot of backlash from people saying like oh look at him he's he has a big platform he's a celebrity and he's encouraging people to go outside during the lockdown the pandemic is going to spread people are not going to be wearing masks and they're just really putting pressure on the NHS like how can he do this da, 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 da. but this energy wasn't there when people were having block parties this um not block parties when people were having um What's that thing like street street parties yeah. that energy wasn't mm. there that same energy wasn't there when people were gathering at beaches but now people have a problem with putting a strain on the nhs when people are protesting their rights people are protesting injustices that's when karen has a problem with people gathering together and i just wanted to know like what your guys thoughts were on that um, because i know that they were meant to release a bame report about the stats regarding covid19 but they decided not to because they were scared yep. that it would cause more tension. So mm -hmm. that's hilarious to me because it just goes to show that, like Khadija said, and we've all been saying, like the UK is not innocent. And we've been saying this. And the fact that they're afraid to release these stats shows that there is a massive problem. So I just want to know what you guys thought about the correlation between Black Lives Matter and COVID-19. Um, just to jump to the previous point that you said about um, how um talking about race is political um i feel like that is without a doubt just a way to shut you down basically because whenever someone says that whenever someone says it's political there's it's there's no debate that's followed through after that it's just i mean it's happened to me in so many instances where i've i've been seen as way too political for the for the current setting that i'm in but when i I don't see it is I think it is political but there is no option other than talking about it so I'm not buying into that excuse anymore and let someone tell me one more time it's political I don't give I don't give a shit sorry for my language but I'll carry on talking about it because again like I said I feel a lot more unapologetic and I'm not going to self-censor myself for the comfort of someone else and um talking about Black Lives Matter and, and Covid 
Um, I completely, completely agree with you. I feel like I've seen so many articles about um, block parties or estate estate parties, uh, I should call them, in London. Like there was one in White City, West London, that got broken up, and there was another one in Brixton, and the the difference in the way that people are treated is astonishing because in those estate parties police showed up in riot gear um mm. and already by you showing up in riot gear you're just you're just sending a message that of of what you think basically because it is absolutely a racial thing and it absolutely is a class thing because if it was any if it was another setting if it was white people having a street party you know you would get police just politely telling people oh you know break it up move it along but for you for, for police to show up in riot gear and then be baffled as to why they're met with anger it's because you have already profiled them you've already labeled them in in the midst of all of this and people are sick of it and um what you said about um about the government withholding the statistics it just shows it just shows by them not not releasing it when they should have that they understand that there is a problem and that they are part of the problem and that is that is that is a cowardly government in my opinion that they're not willing, they're afraid they are afraid of of the backlash that they will receive and they identify that and Honestly, I'm saying let's let's replace them. Let's replace them. That's Please. my yeah, thank you. Yeah. If we still have the same government, it's it's time to pack my bags. It's time I'm to out of here. Get the exit door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Grab the fire. I'm out of here because of here. I'm so sick of people complaining about this government. But you are voting for them. Why? Why would you do that? Like it's actually so, it really discombobulated. It's such a confusing time. Like it just ah. Uh, but um, going back to the question of what Stacey was asking about the link between COVID and Black Lives Matter and just everything going on, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed, and this is a discussion I actually had with my cousins as well, like, I think with lockdown happening, we've, we've been on the internet way more than we usually would because we're not, some of us, most of us aren't able to go to work. When we, when we watch the TV, we see, you know, protests happening um, uh, all over the country, all over the world. And that sort of exposure has made us really reflect on what's happening because we can't do our daily tasks. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely been significant in why the movement has been able to get as big as it has in especially in terms of the protests happening all over the world um because people haven't had the you know when you're working and stuff you don't have time to process because you're just getting on with your life like you've got your studies to do you've got to go to work you've got to do this you've got to do got to do that you've got to take care of the kids xyz and we all had to stay in our confined spaces and just watch and when we well the first opportunity we could go protest it happened and that just shows like the the emotions were really heightened not just because we're in, in we're staying indoors but again especially in countries like the uk and the us and many western countries where minorities are the minority we literally make up what 10 11 percent of the population maybe even far mm -hmm. less and we're the ones that are more likely to die. Like what? Like how is that? And most in other countries that are majority black or brown 
Arab, etc. Why are their death rates so much significantly lower? Like it really, it, it's not, it's not our immune systems. Then is it? I mean, I'm not trying to be medical about it, but it just, it's just something's not adding up because it's the way in which you're treating your people, your citizens, and how some people get like priority over others. It's, it's, it's really disheartening. And I think with COVID happening and the lockdown happening, we've just been spending a lot of time thinking about that as well. And it's it sparked a whole massive conversation, which should have, that should be happening continuously anyway, but mm-hmm. I guess it's better to have it now than to never have it. And like we've all saying, we're all praying for it to just keep on going because there's a lot of work to be done. I think it is really like saddening to see that in the UK, the movement isn't as high as it should be and as it could be. Like there was that moment where there were counter protests, they were putting shields upon, um, statues all that kind of stuff but it's not to the magnitude that it should be like in america people have been protesting for almost a month now continuously mm-hmm. yeah. and i feel like you can only protest for so long bodies yeah. and people get tired it is mentally and physically draining so there's only we can only do it for a short amount of time like it is hard to sustain this energy for as long as people already have and Mm. going back to what you said about like our government our government is shit we are being ruled by idiots as much as they've gone to these um fancy eaton boy schools they're still idiots they don't know what the people want and they never will because they've never been in a working class position they've never know had to know what it feels like to be somebody from a lower class background that intersects with race and gender and ability all that kind of stuff like they will never know what it feels like to be somebody like us so how can they help us and how can they do good for us do you know what I mean and I feel like our generation is very understanding of that we know not to look up to these people and know that their word their word is not gospel we know that they don't know how to lead the way that they should so I feel like this energy will be sustained by us generationally we are going to make some of the biggest changes and um that's good I think that's something that's come out of this is that we realize the power of our generation and that is amazing like it is good to see people our age coming together and we are stepping on people's necks like Mina said like having those um like pulling up people on your course who have those old timey opinions we are stepping on their necks and we are putting pressure on the government to do better and be better and be for the people and i think that that is glorious in itself um Khadija, you wanted to add something before no yeah i just want to add to the this government is shambles like i think with especially with the kind of um clapping for the nhs um thing that happened like uh, I I think it's just another example of how the government will have like make a gesture towards frontline pandemic workers like majority of whom are like already people of color or immigrants Mm. um but then when it comes to actually like tangibly helping them like you're gonna cancel student student nurses contracts and make NHS workers pay for their parking um I don't know, I think Boris Johnson recently blamed COVID deaths on care homes. Like, you want to clap for the NHS, but then you don't get them tested. Like, I think there was a vote in Parliament recently on um, getting frontline workers tested. They voted no, not to do that. Um, 
just a so so many things that I, I think just Boris Johnson even said he I think when it came to taking a knee for Black Lives Matter he said he doesn't believe in gestures but he'll clap for the NHS and then not support them in the same breath like I just think it's it's so it's so insidious at the same time as well I think it's just so like mm. it if you if you look into the voting records if you look into what the government are actually doing it's like it's evil really but I think you're definitely right and people are now taking notice people people are doing the work people are like keeping track of the government and what they're doing and I think that I think that's a real hope I think at least this time that people are a lot more quick on keeping the government accountable mm-hmm. that was a really good um ending Khadijah I liked it Thank you very much. It was very well spoken and articulated. We are running out of thank you guys for being on the episode today, but also like a really big thank you to everybody who's been following us. Like during lockdown and quarantine, our following has really grown. So thank you to everybody who's been liking and sharing. It really does mean a lot. Please check out our Instagram page at The Wokeness Podcast. There we have posted some resources for anyone who is interested in furthering their education on anti-racism. We have recommended some books, films, and podcasts that you can listen to and check out. Also, we have some petitions that you can sign as well. Feel free to comment any other suggestions in the comments section below. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, this is a movement, not a moment.